welcome once again to the Ebone Zone. I invite you to sit back, relax, and listen for the 293rd time as the countdown to 300 continues on this Friday, July 15th, 2022. I hope you enjoy this week's episode, part three in a novel review series on Rodman Philbrick's Freak the Mighty. Another week has gone by, and it's also my birthday. Yep, I'm 22 years old today, and what better way to celebrate than with a new episode? This week, we dive back into Rodman Philbrick's Freak the Mighty. If you didn't get a chance to listen to the previous two episodes, a link is in the description. You know the deal, chapter by chapter until we're all out of pages to turn. We'll look at chapters 11 through 15 this week, and with that said, all that's left to do is get going. In chapter 11, as a new one picks up, we find out a little more about this Loretta Lee that lost her purse. She lives somewhere in the new tenements on the other side of the mill pond. Max's grandma says that he's not supposed to go there for any reason, but Freak says that it's okay to break a promise if you're on a quest. So with that, they go ahead with their plans. When they get to the tenements, they find it old and decrepit, but that doesn't stop them. Freak and Max come to the door of Loretta's house and are surprised to see a woman with dingy blonde hair smoking a cigarette in nothing but a bathrobe and cussing like a sailor at them. Then comes Iggy. He's just as rude and aggressive. The woman knows Max, and as we learn in a bit, she's Loretta. Iggy invites them inside, and Loretta is still mulling over how she knows Max. And then Iggy starts asking about some money that was supposed to be in the purse. And Freak says that he's got $2 and would give it to Iggy if he wants. Later, Loretta and Iggy are recounting memories of Max's dad, Killer Kane, and Iggy believes that if he finds out that he was messing around with Max, let's just say it wouldn't be pretty. So after a few minutes, the two let our main guys go. Kicking off Chapter 12, as they're making their way home, Freak starts talking about his dad and how he's glad he left because good riddance to bad rubbish. And later we find out that Max has been moved to 8th grade, so his grandma wants to take him shopping for new shoes and clothes. As anyone who's ever been an 8th grader can attest, this is a joy that can't be matched. But despite his constant belly aching about shopping with his grandma, Max goes to get the clothes anyway. And then later, when the first day of school comes, we see that Freak and Max are in the same classes, for the fact that Freak helps Max with things, and Max helps Freak with things as well. Which works for a while, until at least, when Max goes to tell the class a little bit about himself. And the other kids aren't having it. Okay, Max. Calm down. You can do this. Don't show fear. They hurl insults at him, and as soon as this happens, Freak calls the frenzy to order, and the teacher asks him who he is. Name's Kevin, right? Well, sometimes. Because usually, he's Freak the Mighty. He jumps on Max's shoulders and tugs at his hair in the way that lets him know to move. And soon enough, they're making a way around the classroom that impresses everyone so much that the whole place is chanting Freak the Mighty before they know it. Max then tells us that he feels more himself when Freak is on his shoulders. That it just feels right to be both strong and smart. To their surprise, though, they got sent to the principal's office and somehow get off the hook. In Chapter 13, Friday the 13th comes around and things aren't going as superstitiously crazy as Max had expected, but soon enough, he's made a believer in the whole tale. Take, for instance, when Max was asked to speak during a book report. Max knows the answers but clams up when people are around, so the teachers usually work with him after class. 
and then Max gets called to the office, but Freak can't go with him. On the way to the office, Max is nervous, as in his mind he should be, because he doesn't know what he did. I mean, she is the principal after all, and Max says that if he's put in class without Freak, he'll just run away, but Miss Addison says that his dad wants to see him. But Max is worried for the fact that he doesn't want anything to do with Killer Kane, and he sort of blows up because, well, wouldn't you? Things get crazier in the lunchroom, though. Our buddy Freak really likes American sushi, and it being his favorite food and all, he eats a lot of it. This time around, though, he gets a piece stuck in his throat, and Max is instantly on guard for his friend, trying whatever he can, calling the nurse and the cafeteria workers and the other kids to help him. The ambulance is called, and Freak goes to the hospital. Max wants to go with him, but they won't let him. Later, Freak comes home, and Max is okay now. He knows that his friend is alright, so everything's back on level ground. He says that the situation at the cafeteria was fixed because of a procedure at the hospital. Freak says his problem is that he's growing on the inside, but not on the outside. Max hears yelling a few moments later, and figures out it's his grandparents that are yelling at each other. It's Christmas vacation now, so everything should be cheerful, but it doesn't seem that way when you look at it head on. Max's grandpa is threatening Max's dad's life because, as we know, he's being let out on parole, but grandpa takes some precaution. He makes a deal with the judge to bar Kane from getting within a mile of the house, or Max for that matter, and the old man takes it a step further by threatening Max's dad's life. If he sets even one foot in their house, he will be shot. Then we learn that for his own safety, Max is made to promise that he'll stay in the house for a few days. Kicking off chapter 15, it's Christmas Eve at the Kane house, and it was quiet. With Freak and Gwen at dinner with Max and his grandparents, no conversation is made about Killer Kane. The talk of the table is more dominated by his grandfather and the tales of Christmas past. When I was your age, we didn't even have lumps of coal for the bad kids. We just write the word on a piece of paper and stick it in their shoes. They knew what it meant. Oh, they knew good and well. They then sit around the Christmas tree and open a few presents. Freak got a multi-tool from Max, and Max decides to open Freak's present to him first. It's a pyramid-shaped box that Max is confused about, but eventually he realizes this is something that was made just for him. Max is awed with what he sees. It's a book that Freak made with all of his favorite words in it, in alphabetical order, no less. Words like aardvark and abacus. Later, Max is in his room, or more aptly his basement, when he feels a hand on his shoulder. Remember when we were talking about his dad getting out on parole? Good, it'll be important in a second. The hand then covers his mouth, and Max is told not to say a word. Then the man speaks for a second time. I came back. Like I promised. Remember? 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 Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I'm really glad you could make it, and I hope you enjoyed the festivities. If you want to stay connected to the show, I'd invite you to pop on over to Facebook or Twitter and give the page a follow. Just search Ebone Zone on Facebook and Official EBZ on Twitter. If you're new, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next week, my friend, God bless you, stay humble, and remember, keep an ear out.